and welcome back to the Buckeye 50 podcast. Some big news today out of the Big Ten. We finally have football back after 36 days of waiting after the announcement from Kevin Warren, who assured us that they weren't going to go back on this decision, has all of a sudden changed course. And it came out today, Wednesday morning, which it probably could have came out last night, Tuesday, after the president of Nebraska sort of let it leak. But we have Big Ten football coming back the weekend of October 24th, and I'm excited. I I can't wait to see Ohio State suit up again in the horseshoe, even if there's no fans, and getting ready to kind of take away all those bad memories of how last season ended, and hopefully coming out this year as national champions. Uh, with me today, we have a few new voices, but we have Greg, and we also have Stephen and Jason joining us here today. Um, do you guys want to give a quick introduction, or are your thoughts here to the Big Ten news out today? Yeah, thanks for the introduction, sure. uh, Josh. Yeah. I think that um, I think it was great news for all the Big Ten fans, and I just wish, I mean, if, if nothing else, I just wish it would have, they would have made the decision sooner. It, it, the way they've laid out the schedule makes it appear this should not affect their chances of getting a team into the playoffs. But you never know as the season goes on if, if we lose players through COVID and they, they cancel or forfeit games, whether or not you know that could affect you know the decision-making process for the, the playoff committee. But it's great and it's exciting to think that um, once again – you know, Big Ten football back, Ohio State football back, and I look forward to watching them, as Josh said, whether it's, you know, in the horseshoe or, you know, sitting, you know, in the couch eating some roosters. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Steven? Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Josh and Greg. Uh, my sentiments are very similar, although um, I think that my – Optimism is really tinged with a, a, a real sense of anger that uh, Kevin Warren and uh, the university presidents you know, sat on their hands for the entire summer, and it only took the SEC and the Big 12 to say, and the ACC to say, no, we're going. And then I think that that kind of put their feet to the fire and uh, many people have said that uh, the Big Ten is uh, and uh, the Pac-12 is with egg on their face, and I couldn't uh, agree more. Um, I, I think it's really disgusting the way that they've they've handled this. And I, although I will give them credit because I think their heart was in the right place, but these are uh, academics that uh, unfortunately don't have any common sense. Uh, they have left us no wiggle room. Uh, we could have very much easily done this in September and uh, had all this protocol in place uh, and, and said, okay, you know, we are ready to go at a moment's notice as soon as our uh, testing protocols are agreed upon. But what they did is they waited for the testing protocols to get where they wanted them to be, and then they had to scramble and say, oh, darn, now we are going to put a season together. It went totally backwards. They should have been planning to play from the get-go. 
and um, they failed horribly at it. Yeah, Steve, I, I think I agree with you there. Um, <clears throat> certainly the Big Ten, one, dragged its feet, two, was not very transparent through this entire thing. Not until we had the rapid test kind of come out that they decided, okay, now we have to revisit it. All the other conferences are doing so, and they're playing, and they're having success. NFL, Major League Baseball, some of the other sports are having success with it. One concern I do have, and you alluded to, Stephen, is the short window. We have nine weeks to play nine games. Yeah, they, they put in protocols to say, okay, if you test positive, you're out 21 days. Well, that could cripple a team. That could cripple a team. If a game gets canceled, what do we do? Is the, is the playoff committee looking at a seven-game season, let's say, say we lose a couple, and say, okay, does Ohio State still qualify or Penn State or whoever it may Do they still qualify after a seven-game season versus some of these other conferences that may end up with 10? I guess it remains to be seen. The good news is they have a chance, and that's all they can ask for. That football team that Ohio State's putting on the field could be as good as they've had in a yeah, I think those are definitely good points, and I know we've talked about them a bit on this podcast before, but, you you know, really just the way the Big Ten handled this whole situation from the get-go, you know, they, they were trying to be the front runners for player safety, and that's good. Their intentions were good, like I said. It just, they, they didn't have a plan, and it made me wonder, you know, what they really did between March and August for a return to play action and all of a sudden finally 36 days after the decision to stop we're returning or we have a plan to come and play and it's not until the 24th of October which is fine but you're right there's no wiggle room there's no bye weeks it's nine straight games of Big Ten football and if a team goes into the red uh, based on their new chart which I, I would say one of the positives that came out of this was their their protocols and their clarity in terms of, you know, what quantifies who is uh, not able to play and what levels the team and the staff needs to be at in order to really have a concern with the green, orange, and red levels. But, you know, yeah, you're right. If, if they lose a game here or there because of a cancellation, you know, you're looking at, you know, a, a team in Ohio State or a Big Ten team that's trying to compete for a national championship, a playoff spot, going against some of these teams that have played longer. Um, and that does cause a big concern. Yes, I, I would kind of agree that they wanted to uh, be on the forefront of player safety or at least have that as the optics. But without the, with the level of transparency or lack thereof that we have, part of me really wonders if the lawyers and the bean counters and the people that are were worried about lawsuits and – the professionalism of the uh, the sport really were the ones that were driving this decision, rather than oh, it's for player safety. It was more uh, to me. Uh, th- there was a real undercurrent of what happens if somebody does get myocarditis, and we are on the hook for you know really bad optics in in and a lawsuit coming down the pike. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that I think it was just maybe a little overblown too. I think I'm, I'm one of those that I'm I'm okay wearing a mask. I don't you know like you know the idea of being forced to do it all the time necessarily, but uh, I'm not going to spend my entire day at Disney World with a mask. I'm just not going to go to Disney World. But 
I do think that they probably did not look at this thing as just simply, you know, we, we know that there's a, there's a, a threat out there. Let's address the threat. It's it's no different to me than any other, you know, safety feature that we put on. I mean, you know, think of the changes that's been made to equipment over the years because of, you know, things that we've discovered things that have been changed in the rules because of what we've discovered, you know, to try and everything's geared toward keeping the player safe. I don't understand why this wasn't any different. I realize that we're talking about somebody, you know, breaking an arm versus uh, perhaps, you know, dying, you know, which, you know, there's obviously a, you know, a huge gap there, but I just think that the people, I think as Stephen kind of alluded to earlier, people that are involved with this were smart enough. They should have known, what to do and what to what to put in place so that we could avoid you know reducing that ex, that exposure to the risk i mean every season we're going to have 10 12 15 players that only play a couple of games and then they're hurt for the rest of the season we know that but that because we have we lose players to injuries uh, and sometimes they're you know life threatening you know there's people that are you know they're paralyzed and things like that but we lose players every year but that doesn't stop us from playing you know, it's, it's, it, we, you know, we don't, you know, there's a plane crash. We don't stop, you know, flying planes. You know, it's it, this, I think they just needed to be smart about it and, and take the proper protocol and proper safety measures so that they would have kept the players as safe as possible. And, and we would have probably evolved over the course of the season and improved those things as we went along. So who knows? But yeah, but it's, but it's great. You know, that now we're, we can look forward and, and with, as Jason said, what could perhaps be one of the best teams, you know, Ohio State has fielded, you know, in a number of years. I mean, this team could possibly be compared among some of the greatest teams assembled at all times, you know, at the university. And, um, you know, let's just hope that as fans, we get to see a championship out of it. Yeah, Greg, I, I still, you know, and I, I agree with all of those points. What I come back to is, Big Ben, Commissioner uh, Warren, making a statement without fact and without any transparency, and it could be disputed if the president initially voted or not. We heard both sides. But taking the decision out of the players and their families' hands, who ultimately that's who it affects the most. Yeah, you can be afraid of lawsuits and everything else. There's lawyers. That stuff can be cleared up. Right, we sign a piece of paper. A document can be written to waive some of those kind of things, right? So, my my problem still from the beginning is if the players want to play, if the teams want to play, if the coaches want to play, let them play. Why do we have to say, oh, as a conference, we're done? I never understood that. Fortunately, they came to the right decision and came back and decided. And I guess at this point, all we can do is look forward and get excited for a little uh, Buckeye football. Now, one, one of the things that, that I see is, unfortunately, at this point, until the rest of the Big Ten comes to play and proves me wrong, 13 out of the 14 teams had nothing to play for this season. So saying no was easy as easy could be. Now, I'll give Penn State their due, and um, maybe Wisconsin, but... Neither of those teams were going to uh, make a sniff of the playoffs. Now, with this COVID situation, 
being what it is, something weird could happen. But I think it's pretty um, self-evident that Ohio State was the only one that had, a, I mean, serious CFP um, uh, consideration uh, aspirations this year. And so I, I think it, in my mind, uh, it made it a little bit easier for the Michigans, the Michigan State, certainly Rutgers and, and Maryland, those teams that have not yet begun to, you know, call back up into serious consideration uh, to uh, to just say no, and then we'll just punt and play in 2021. Now, I'm, I, I may be totally cynical, but that sometimes that, yeah, that's the way. Steve, I, you're right. You're right, and, and that's one of the reasons why I have to give Nebraska a huge, huge I mean, what they did, the players standing up and, and the president of Nebraska standing up, and they ended up kind of being partners with Ohio State and a lot of this, and even Iowa, not quite as vocal. But those, that, um, obviously Ohio State has the most to lose out of that group, but you have to give them a ton of credit for pushing and pushing and pushing and ultimately forcing this yeah, and, and certainly a lot of credit uh, to their administrations for supporting their players. Because in the end, um, for a team like Iowa, a team like Nebraska, certainly, you know, uh, up-and-comers uh, certainly have, have something that they might be able to play for to get better. That's supporting your team. You knew that uh, Gene was always going to support his team, and uh, it's good to see the other uh uh, the other ADs and the other administrators kind of figure out that it's not just about, you know, the lawyers. Ohio State upgraded their president, too, but what a huge change. It's, mm-hmm. it's refreshing. Absolutely. Upgrade. Oh, my. Thank you. Yeah. But I think what we're, what we're going to prove in this is whether or not did we upgrade our uh, commissioner or the head of Big Ten when we did this process, uh, Jim Delady was big shoes to fill, but uh, I don't know that this is the right fit for Kevin Warren. It just, it just doesn't seem like, and he may have had his hands tied this whole time. You know, we don't know that, but you know, we, we just really, really going to have to question, you know, the big Ten's decision on this. And I don't know if this will possibly impact, you know, his future. Uh, with with the conference, I don't know we'll have to wait. Greg, I, I, yeah, I think he survives it. In fact, I think he's going back to the NFL. I really believe that. Yeah, and it's possible. Well, and we could probably do... go ahead, Stephen. I was just about to say, you know, think about a worse time for that guy to come in. You know, I, I'm a big fan. I think he handled this very poorly, and there's been rumors that he was not a terribly liked person up in in Minnesota where he came from, but. I, I have to put myself in his shoes, and I'm new guy on the block. I don't have enough juice to really put these guys in their place like Delaney might have. Um, so he was very much probably trying to call Saber and said, okay, whatever you guys want, we'll do it. And that's what he was left with. And somebody like Delaney or somebody with a, a, a little bit uh, better set of stones might have said, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way. And, um, I'm going to put the plan in place. Um, 
it seemed like he fiddled uh, while Rome burned. He basically punted on the entire situation. Maybe that was to appease his new masters, but I, I think that he could have done a whole lot more to put all these committees in place day one. Now, we knew the football season was going to start last year, 10 years ago. We knew when uh, our schedule you know, abouts was going to be and when we were going to have a problem with that schedule, there should have been all hands on deck because we're not just talking about kids, their future, but we're talking about the lifeblood of the athletic departments in every single school. So the, um, you know, maybe the academics just you know, could give two hoots about you know, the athletic department, but there is so much money on the line totally dismissing it is basically cutting your own throat. And so maybe they just want to go back to the dark ages and say, okay, uh, you know, we're going to be a totally academic institution and uh, uh, athletics mean nothing, but there's multiple billions of dollars and just throwing it out uh, summarily um, shows an incredible lack of understanding of what, you are in charge of, and that is what Warren did. He was, he was like you know, a five-year-old in a fire, not knowing what the heck to do. And I, I would agree with the timing. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be hard to replace Jim Delaney as a commissioner, especially just the weight and power he carried being essentially the figurehead of college athletics with the SEC's Sankey right below him. Like it's They're like one and two neck and neck. And then coming in at a time where we had a pandemic and coming in at a time where five institutions are switching presidents or chancellors for their divi- or for their uh, schools, including Ohio State, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting situation. And I feel like some of the schools, including Wisconsin's chancellor, kind of allowed that opportunity for a, a kind of a power grab and really kind of flex their muscles to try to you know, stop any momentum for a football season with the mindset of, you know, the whole put the player safety first, which it should be first and foremost. However, they didn't allow time for deliberation or to give themselves an opportunity to try to set a successful football season if it meant delaying it a few weeks into September, which is what the ACC did, which is what the SEC is doing. Um, and and I, I really think Everything about this really could have been handled so much better, and, and I agree. I don't know if Kevin Warren is really it, but he's definitely has a lot of opportunities to show leadership if he really wants to stick around as commissioner. Yeah, I think, quite frankly, this was a chance that he could have, you know, if he came in in a tenuous situation, this is the opportunity that he had to really prove how strong he was, and I, I think he didn't take advantage of that. I think I think one of the biggest moves you know, Jim Delaney made, and it was, you know, you know, it couldn't be debated, but was when, you know, ESPN was coming to the conference and saying, okay, we're ready to renew the TV contracts and, and, it's, and we're not going to give you the money that you want. And he said, well, forget it. We'll start our own network. And, and I don't know how many com- commissioners, you know, heads of conferences would have done that. And, and the Big Ten is as strong as it is and is, and is paying its, its schools as well as it is, partly because of that decision that he made to say, hey, let's go out and, and start our own, our own network. 
and I think it's paid dividends for the conference. Yeah. This was a chance that that um, Warren could have done the same thing. We could have been a leader in this, and maybe he thought he was being a leader by being the first to say, you know, to opt out. But I think we could have showed yeah. leadership differently, and it didn't happen. I, I think it's, it's not that he postponed the season as much as how he did it and the lack of transparency involved through it. You know, he essentially didn't say anything. And, and when there was questions, he went silent. Well, that's not what leadership does. And, and to your point, he, he could have handled it so much better. This was an opportunity for him to really put his name on that commissioner job, and he failed. Unfortunately, he failed. And it's not because the season postponed. It's how he handled the post. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, he could have very easily done something incremental, saying we are not comfortable at this time, we are not comfortable at this time, but he just took a big, fat sledgehammer and said, nope, that's it, and we will not revisit it. It's basically, um, he sat in the corner saying, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home, and you can't do anything about it. Well, you know, dollar signs... It was a week after they released the schedule. I mean, what is going on? (laughs) You release the schedule a week later, you say, no, I'm done. So, yeah, that's odd. Yep. Well, I want to change gears here a little bit. I think we're all feeling the same way about how it was handled and and frustrated. But now that we do have a season back, we do have some optimism. Um, What are your thoughts here on this kind of setup schedule here for the eight games and plus one to where everyone's playing an extra game there in that last weekend before the selection committee? To me, it's a bone to the conference. Everybody's going to get nine games. It'll it'll allow you to kind of put your best foot forward for some of the bowl season. Still, the bottom line is playing in the one versus. I mean, so the rest of them are almost like consolation prize. Here's an extra game for you, so you can impress the bowl committee. So you can go play some nice and game. Yeah, but there okay. could be some there could be some bless to it. So I mean, you know, we don't know. You know, we'll see how the the the, the season. Um, you know, plays out, but, you know, maybe, you know, the, the, the number two teams, you know, you know, help make a name for themselves and, and, and improve their, you know, I don't know what the bowl season is going to look like exactly, but, um, uh, you know, it kind of improves their, their position if they can win that two versus two type game as well. And as far as the, as you get farther down the list, it might be like those, those what I call consolation bowl games where you got two, you know, six and six teams playing each other or something but they always say, well, we could, we use the extra practice. We, uh, you know, we got the extra money, you know, whatever the, you know, the benefits we got, you know, the reps for the players, you know, that's what they're going to get. We were without those extra games, you know, you know, you had, you would have had two teams playing that, that ninth week. And now, now all of them are playing. So hopefully, hopefully they try to take it and, and make advantage of it, take advantage of it. Hopefully I, I'd like to think I'm looking at the other end of the schedule. I'm thinking, is there a way we can play, games on the you know the 10th or the 17th if if the conference you know had confined you know individual schools that are that are have an opening and are willing to play i don't i don't i haven't seen or read enough to know if that, that's a possibility but i think that would be great for teams like ohio state penn state wisconsin you know that are that have you know aspirations of you know having a you know huge season mm-hmm. for the have not 
Mm-hmm. I, no, nobody's going to be watching Purdue, Rutgers, or Illinois, Maryland, but, you know, their fan bases. But you talk about the, um, the bowl games. Will this season then be the catalyst for uh, finally uh, tanking those bowl games that nobody wants to go to? Those third and fourth year pool and weed eater bowls that really had nobody in the stands even before coronavirus, um, are those going to go by the wayside? Um, yeah. and, and we'll leave that for a little, a little bit later. But I am very excited for the season. Um, I think that it was very telling uh, about the story that came out with Ryan Day saying that, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, keep your mouth shut or we're going to hang 100 on you. I think that this team is going to be so motivated and, you know, Barring taking uh, all the starters out in the second period, or in the uh, second quarter, uh, we could hang 100 on, on most of the conference. And I, I think it may be just done to prove the fact that, you know, you guys voted no the first time, well, uh, get uh, ready for a whooping. Yeah, I mean, you know, Michigan should be one of the stronger teams year in and year out, and we've put 50 and 60 on them the last two years, so... You know, that's, you know, there's, I agree 100% with Steven. This could be the year that maybe you don't play the politically correct, you know, ending to games and just, you know, let it play out. Let's, let's, let's ring up some style points, ring up some register tapes, and perhaps, perhaps, you know, try to get a little more clout with the committee. You know, who knows what they're looking for. I, I agree 100%. This should be a year that they, we point out how, uh, impractical a lot of those bowls are but as a side note for Stephen and I I know that um, you know Joe O is going to be disappointed if Coastal Carolina doesn't get their bowl game absolutely for real football fans you know I, I'm sure that Coastal Carolina has a great team but I, I hate seeing those bowls with nobody in the stands you're kind of going why are any why is the city putting this on I just don't know where the, the money is coming from. Are you know the sponsors why? Really you know why? Sponsors, no. TV, I lost. they make a ton of money, no matter who's in the stands or not. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's just the amazing. It is. Yeah, I, know, dude, I agree. And it's, you it's, think it's, about in the 80s, or, you know, I hate to date ourselves, but you had a handful of bowl games, and they were all meaningful. Well, now almost, uh, you know, 500 teams are making bowl games. Uh, yeah, all right. We have, we have too many. <laughs> we really well, they were They were talking about earlier, especially when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was not involved, that you would have basically every team playing in bowl games. I mean, you would have, you could have, mm-hmm. you know, 0 and, 0 and 8, you know, Vanderbilt playing, you know, 1 and 7, <laughs> you know, bottom dweller somewhere, you know, like in, as, as Steven says, in the pool and weeding. Yeah. yeah, I think where Ohio State is, their goal is to go beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. That's it. They owe Clemson. And I heard Dabo Sweeney come out today and say we didn't need the Big Ten. I don't know if you guys heard this. Hey, we don't need the Big Ten. We had, we had plenty of good teams in the conferences that were playing. That's more fuel to the fire. It's going to fire these guys Did Dabo up. watch anybody in the ACC? He's insane. I know. I know. Yeah. Did I you watch any other, 
other than playing his game, did he watch any other ACC football? Because it was garbage. I it was horrible. And uh, even Notre Dame looked bad. I mean, so yeah. In North yeah. Carolina, I mean, yeah, Dabo gets this kind of free pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. But I know that's what they want. I, I, I could almost bet you inside the Woody, there's a picture of Dabo swinging Clemson, and that is the goal. We've got to go beat them. This, it was stolen from us last year. This year we're getting them back. Yeah. Every week we have yeah. another piece. Yeah. And I don't want to give any ideas. I don't want to give any ideas to the you know, the people in the OSU office, but uh, Memphis has got an open date there on the 10th. So I'd love that would be a nice uh, opening game for us, I think. Will they actually allow non conference games? But that's but that's the question. Was... Yeah, that's the question. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know what the rules are as to why it's starting on the twenty fourth versus the seventeenth versus the tenth. I mean, these you know that most of these teams have been practicing regardless of what her parents said today. You know, his team isn't. You know, has been sidelined and not ready, and they're, they're really going to turn things around to get ready for the season. This is these people knew or thought that that this stuff would be happening. And that's why, you know, they were probably still practicing. I mean, so I mean, think they should be fired. Yeah. Your school's the option. Like Ohio State, has, we know for a fact they've been working out. Yeah. But, hey, you guys want to play on the 17th against um, Memphis, whatever? All right, let's work it out. Hey, you know, Memphis can make some money coming to Ohio State. And then, yeah, we'll take on all comers. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'll take, I'll take them in Indy even if they want to do a you know a neutral site. Well, I think, there you go. I think this season's definitely led to a lot of creativity with scheduling, and that's why I brought up like the idea that the whole topic of the eight plus one, and like you're seeing Army, who just heard that um, yeah, I can't remember who was Memphis was playing was like their game was canceled. They're calling up that team say hey do you want to play us that week? It's 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 just unreal. And I know we've scheduled games like 10 years out and something to look forward to, but I mean, this to me just shows you can really change and flex the schedule any way you really want it for those non-conference games and really kind of do a little bit what the NFL does is try to match peak with peak. Like how, how amazing would it be to know you're going to play like an Alabama or Clemson earlier um, than having to wait until 2033 or whenever it is. That'd be special. I mean, we don't typically see that, right? Yeah, the only sad part about that would have been that there wouldn't have been fans in the crowd. But, but yeah, the, the fans want yeah. to see the best play the best. If they could figure out a, a more dynamic scheduling, uh, the two years that we played Cal, and um, you know when we scheduled Cal, Cal was on an upswing. And when we actually played them, they were in a little bit of a downswing because Jared Goff was a freshman and maybe a sophomore that year. And we trounced them with a backup quarterback. Say, okay, well, Cal, why don't we put you to the put you to the side? We'll we'll come back. We'll revisit you when when you you're kind of a little better fodder. And then we'll we'll switch that around with like a Washington or an Oregon or somebody who's on the upswing. Mm-hmm. That would be a really nice fringe benefit out of, uh, you know, having to make much more dynamic decisions. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought those teams up, actually. And I don't want to cut anyone off. I'll just plug this real quick. But it looks like Larry Scott's coming out with some information that 
you know, they're gearing up to have some Pac-12 teams getting ready to play. I know the, the governor of Oregon signed a release statement to allowing Oregon and Oregon State to play. Um, the, the governor of California is also gearing for the California schools. So, I mean, I think the Pac-12 is trying to make a move now that the Big Ten is is playing. And I'd love to see, like, maybe, I know we uh, are talking, you know, maybe Memphis playing, but what if we can try to get that Ohio State-Oregon game back on the schedule to start the season? Yeah, I think we it would play happen, any. I'd love it. Yeah, we would play it's not any. not going to be in Eugene. Well, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be in Eugene. They had a little haze yeah. in this guy, but... Um... If Oregon wants to come here two years in a row, all right, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just use What's the Alabama the approach. We won't play at, you know, home and home, but we'll go to some neutral site like Atlanta. Would the Big Ten, yeah, now this is an interesting question, would the Big Ten say, okay, here are your Big Ten dates. Everything else is up to you. That would be a huge win for any big team, mm-hmm. any of the top tier Big Ten teams that that said, okay, uh, we could even uh, even some of the, the lower tier teams if they could, um, if the Big Ten would allow them to schedule on their own for non-conference uh, and just say this is our Big Ten schedule, I would I would actually I would backtrack and I I would. Uh, say some very nice things about Kevin Warren if they would allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a huge win for everyone. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think we, I think if we could give, if, if the PAC 12 is looking at trying to get teams participating again, I guarantee you a high estate benefits if they can play one of those teams on the 17th or the 10th, depending on, what you know the Big Ten limitations allows them to do. So I, I do want to go into now. This is a great conversation, you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to talk about how the Big Ten coming back now impacts the national level. Now we know Ohio State was number two in the country in the AP and the coaches poll. Um, and we had several other teams in the top twenty-five. But what does the Big Ten coming back mean for the postseason or even the national stage? They're going to throw Penn State and Ohio State right back in the mix. You're going to see the biggest drop and the biggest rise in a few weeks. Two teams. You know, Ohio State what was two and dropped out. Now they're going to be back at two before you before you can count. I mean, they're playing again. So at least until until teams have, have proven themselves, Ohio State's going to be right there. And once they start playing, they're going to jump right back into that top two or three. Same with Penn State. Mm-hmm. They're national brands. They're national things. Everybody knows what they have on paper. Obviously, we have to see them play. But certainly, those are probably the two that stick out the most on the national level. Um, after that, there's a, a severe drop, maybe the Wisconsin. Um, but they're going to be players. As long as they get enough games in, they're going to be players. Do you think their schedule limits their – uh, potential of making the playoff, like with only having nine games where some could play more, or even if they have to postpone some, or do you think that that, that shouldn't matter, especially with how crazy the season's been? To me, it doesn't matter. I think, I think. Well, I mean, if you go by what the committee even says themselves, they they play the eye test, right? Ohio State looks like the best team or the, one of the best four teams. They're in. 
You know, it's as simple as that's that. That's exactly what I would say. You know, Jason, you're right on the money. That they are, it's the eye test, and and um, and they are not above looking at 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 the the dollar figures as well. And uh, so, exactly. if Ohio State gets the eye test, and and they're a they're a big ticket item, absolutely going to happen. And Ohio State runs the table, and even someone gets seven or eight games, they're in the playoff. I yeah, I I would think so, and especially like you know because they're starting so late. So then the playoff committee, I think their first poll comes out like a week after. So Ohio State could potentially be one and zero, but still be one of the top four teams in the country for the first playoff rankings. And I know you're going to hear the outcries from those in the South because they've been playing longer and they've had a few more games under their belts. But I mean, really. The criteria kind of has to be flexible this year for the playoff, in my opinion. Agreed. It's not going to be playoff, like any other year. Yeah, even if the playoff committee on say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna delay a couple of weeks so we can see a little bit more," I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's not who's the who's in the top four the first week; it's who's in the last week, and if if they're objective that they preach every year is we want to get the four best teams in that playoffs. I think Ohio State or any Big Ten school has the ability to prove themselves regardless of starting this late. But I do think that they need to get uh, the the number of games in. It's kind of like the I was talking to Josh earlier today and he was mentioning now you know, that getting that additional data point in a championship game, you know, sometimes helps elevate a team, you know, into the playoffs or maybe moves them in the seed seeding perspective in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, there could be a limitation. But then again, um, maybe there's going to, you know, as the season goes on, maybe other teams are going to lose games that, you know, off their schedule because of the virus that, you know, at the end of the year, maybe the most, anybody's played is eight or nine, you know, we don't know. We won't, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But I, it's, you know, as we started this podcast, I'm just excited that we now are in the mix again. I mean, I feel like we can honestly say that Ohio state is in the mix again and the big 10, you know, has the opportunity to, you know, at least, you know, get some of the mud off their face that they've had, you know, for the last four weeks. And then the other thing you could talk about, is individual. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, a the limited reason. schedule mm-hmm. limit the chances that Justin Fields can compete for eyes early. I don't know. The yeah. numbers certainly won't be as high, less games. Yeah. Well, what's interesting... That's an interesting conversation. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that the Heisman hasn't moved anything. So right now, the way it's set up, it's still kind of that week after when normally the championship games would have been played in December... But there's still games going on. So they're going to have to postpone the Heisman ceremony because you can't have a Heisman winner mid-season or, uh, you know, last quarter of the season. Right. So it's it's just very interesting. And I think if maybe, and I don't think it's going to happen, but at the same time it could. I mean, if the Pac-12 finds a way to play around the same time, you know, then you're really kind of mixing it up even more. And it, and it feels more like a re- regular season, but at the same time, like there's just so many factors that the playoff committee, I think, really has to consider and the individual award season has to consider when it comes to evaluating the teams and the players uh, for for the postseason. 
personally, I, I you know, I, I'm sure that, that Justin would be very flattered to get back to New York, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure that to a man, uh, they would just say, you know, let's not even worry about any postseason award, uh, championship or bust. And me as a fan, I could give two hoots about who gets the Heisman. Um, although it would be cool to see uh, Burrow, Fields, and, and Chase Young there last year. That was mighty neat. But I think I just I want to see us excel on the field. And I, I want to see uh, it, if Justin Fields comes out and has a, I don't want to say pedestrian, but he becomes a great game manager and uh, we're still racking up 50, 60 points a game, I'm happy with it. Um, he doesn't have to be a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, at least for me, to make it a, uh, a successful season. I'd, I'd really like to see the team uh, achieve their, their ultimate goal. Yeah, for me, it's national championships the goal. And if the other awards come with it, great. But I want to hang another banner. That's my thought. Well, it's like Urban always said, right? If you're a successful football team, the individual awards follow you. You win on the field, yep. some of your players are going to win individual awards. It's just the nature of it. So, hey, go win a national title, and there's a good chance you probably got Justin Fields in New York. I I, I will say that um, I think uh, Fields may have a little bit of um, competition on his own team. Uh, I am very high on Trey Sermon, <laughs> and I am – really jacked to see him play. I think he is just going to run over people. He is really going to be... Especially behind that that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Dobbins uh, was, uh, but a little bit more power, and uh, I I just can't wait to see him just run, run, run. Fields could very easily get get away with that. Yeah. There's so many weapons at wide receiver that uh, I, I expect the offense to be very similar to what it was last year and pretty balanced. Mm-hmm. you got some weapons in the backfield, not only with Sermon. I mean, you've got Master T. Don't forget about him back there. So, yeah. And then Demario McCall. So, you know, there's weapons to, you know, to lose. They have so many weapons everywhere all over the offense. So I can see them well, it up quite a bit, 60-40. As long as Fields does not become uh, – J.T. Barrett, Mark II. I just don't want to see him running any more than he absolutely has to. Agreed. Yeah, it'd be nice, it'd be nice to see him go to Troy Smith's senior year where he, he pretty much kind of shut down his running and focused on his passing, and, and ultimately he got a Heisman out of it. So, but yeah, I don't. we don't need to risk field downfield, you know, so to speak. But it's, it's uh, going to be a fun season to watch. I, I think it – I think the uh, shock of it all is still probably soaking in for me a little bit. I, I've just been listening for the last two to three weeks, you know, with the announcements of, yeah, we're going to have something published, you know, within the hour by the next day. And, you know, but it's finally here now. So let's just, let's just move forward. Let's, let's get the little spoons, tidbits of information we get out of camp and, and uh, hope they all stay safe and healthy and, and let's just enjoy the season. Absolutely. One thing that, that I do, uh, it, since we didn't have um, a spring game to look at and we really don't have much info out of fall camp, 
if Fields were to miss a play uh, or two, I have no clue other than uh, remembering some uh, series with Gunnar Hoke last year. What do we even expect out of the, the second string? So that will be very interesting to see. I'm sure that we'll see it by the second half of the first game. But, you know, that, that would give me a little bit of pause. Sorry, I think was it CJ Stroud? CJ Stroud. Yeah. CJ Stroud, maybe that guy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And I mean, he came out highly touted, so you know, we just uh, we hope we don't have to run yep. into that situation. But unless it's mop up duty in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I am also very much looking forward to the the new uh, crop of receivers that we have. Um, to say that we are loaded and should be loaded for a couple of years. Even uh, with Chris Olave, uh, you know, possibly moving on, uh, I like what uh, our receivers uh, look like for the next couple of years. Pretty solid bunch. I agree. I think that's probably the most. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Oh, he's a stud. Yeah, I think that's our deepest position group. No. On the on the team right now. Great. I think I think this is going to make me, just in my opinion, enjoy it even more than I already did mm-hmm. just because we were so close to not having it. I just appreciate the fact that I'll be able to sit down on a Saturday and watch Ohio State football again. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the schedule release, which I hear it's supposed to be at either the end of this week or early next week so we know who we're playing and when we're playing them. Uh, we'll see what happens with the game and when we're going to play them up north. Uh, or that team up north, I should say, since we'll be in Columbus. But it's, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for this season, man. Yeah, and and I can tell you, and for my at least for my closing comment, I have nothing against the, necessarily the individuals on game day, but I had no interest in watching game day these last two weeks, and it was it was um, you know something that you know I I could find something to do easily this week. Be sure to tune in because Josh is going to be on game day. Yeah. So, so tune in those TVs and be ready for him. Or will you be in the crowd or will you be on the podium? Virtual crowd. Oh, very good. Very good. He'll be one of the, he'll be one of the TV screens there that you'll see. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a sign. Idea, and if, so. and, and uh, if you're Jones and for some place to watch your games, Josh has a new. 85-inch TV in his room. Oh, my. That's very nice. Oh, my. It's, it's, it's the wall. So there's not it's sweat the coming out of the game? <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 yeah. If, it was a, if it was a 3D TV, I'm sure he'd be hit from some sideline passes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I'm going to be disappointed in because um, I know the initial schedule, we had like three teams on the road that typically will credential us and um you know what was going to be a way to go but um you know with the limitations with the covid i doubt if even that's going to be an opportunity regardless of who we have on our away schedule look at 2021 yeah thanks for getting this together and we look forward to the next podcast all of you our listeners we appreciate your you're listening in. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback and your comments. Be sure to, to post those for us and go Bucks. Go Bucks.